Thanks, guys, for doing that. That was awesome. As always, I have to have uh, some theme music kind of to get me through to, to work it out. Um, that's where I hear and commune with, with our Creator and our Redeemer the most. Um, so I'm preaching not only today, but I'm preaching next week too. That's crazy. So um, over the next couple of weeks, I wanted to talk about engagement. It's my theme for today and next Sunday. And as we kind of get into that, uh, I'm going to use a very familiar story um, as my basis for uh, this week. And uh, before I read this, uh, the, the very familiar story that I'm going to base today's uh, uh, preaching on is the Good Samaritan. But before we get into that, I wanted you to hear this quote from Martin Luther King Jr., on the parable of the Good Samaritan, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? I'm in Luke chapter 10, verses uh, 30 through 35, and then I'll paraphrase in only the way that I can. Verse 37. A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He encountered thieves who stripped him naked, beat him up, and left him near death. Now it just so happened that a priest was also going down the same road. When he saw the injured man, he crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. Likewise, a Levite came by that spot, saw the injured man, and crossed over to the other side of the road and went on his way. A Samaritan, who was on a journey, came to where the man was. But when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, tending them with oil and wine. And then he placed the wounded man on his donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took two full days' worth of wages and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said, Take care of him, and when I return, I will pay you back for any additional cost. And Jesus tells us, Go and do that. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let me go back to where I started with the Martin Luther King Jr. quote. But by the very nature of his concern, the Good Samaritan reversed the question, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? I'm not going to hold anything back. Um, nothing on my sleeve, no magic tricks, no uh, strange ways of getting there. I'm going to be straightforward with you all. Here's the big reveal. Today, I'm going to ask you all to do something. I'm using the story of the Good Samaritan to motivate you all to do it. I'm sure, dollars to donuts, that I'm not the first person in 2,000 years to use this parable to move folks to action, and I'm sure I won't be the last either. Here's what I want you all to think about as I, uh, as I today's sermonator, sermonize to all of you today. I want you to think about engaging, engaging with each other, 
If you're not engaging, start engaging. If you are engaging, to engage even more and to encourage others to do so. We are designed by our Creator as human beings to be in community together. Our Creator has always meant for us to be together, in community, engaging each other. We are, to de we are designed to engage in community together. So that's the what of what I'm sermonizing on today. So as you folks, as you focus on the, the point that I'm going to make today, let's go back to the MLK Jr. quote one more time. I want you to focus on this as as if I was as I continue sermonizing, the Good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen? To him. So think about that as I go forward with the rest of today's preaching. If I do not stop to help this person, what will happen to him? If I do not engage, what will happen to my community? If I do not engage, what will, what will eventually happen to me? To engage. So indulge me as Randy and the band has, if you will, as I illustrate in the only way that I know how and I can is through music. I'm inspired this morning by Robert Earl King, Mr. 320s and a 10. And it's an actual designated day in Texas. 320s and a 10 day. It was just a couple of weeks ago. R.E.K., as he's known to his fans, wrote a song that seems to sum up what it is that we're feeling right now. We want to feel good again. So, as the sound starts, standing down on Main Street across from Mr. Blues, in my faded leather jacket and my weathered brogan shoes, a chill north wind blowing, but the spring was coming on as I wondered to myself just how long I had been gone. Oh, how we long to be in a place of familiarity and in comfort once again, in our favorite clothes and shoes, across the street from our favorite haunt and or hideout, Looking forward for this long, cold, isolated winter to give way to spring and hope. And we wondered just how long it's been. So I strolled across to Old Main Street, walked down a flight of stairs, stepped into the hall and saw my friends were standing there. A neon sign was flashing, welcome, come on in. It feels so good, feeling good again. To feel good again as we walk into a place that we know well and that knows us just as well. There is a comfort in the neon sign that always says, welcome, come on in. We know this place as well as we know the back of our hand. My favorite band was playing an Otis Redding song. When they sang the chorus, everybody sang along. Dan and Margarita were swaying side by side. I heard they were divorcing, but I guess they let it slide. And I wish I had some money which to buy around. If you're like me, and I know I am, to hear our favorite song, no matter where we are, it, it does something to us. Deep down in the marrow of us, to see our friends who are near and dear to us still dancing together hand in hand. I wish I'd cashed my paycheck before I came to town, but I reached into my pocket and found three 20s and a 10. It feels so good, feeling good again. That good feeling when we have three 20s and a 10 in our pocket, 
to see the smile on our friends' faces when we pick up the tab. Good feeling, don't you go away. There was old man Perkins sitting on his stool watching Butch and Jimmy John talking loud and playing pool. The boys from Silver City were standing by the fire singing like they thought they were the Tabernacle Choir. Marge Truesdale sitting and watching Ross and I singing loud as if we were the Tabernacle Choir. And I wanted you to see them all. I wish that you were there. I looked across the room and saw you standing on the stair. And when I caught your eye, I saw you break into a grin. It feels so good, feeling good again. You. I want you to see them all. To see you see them breaking into a grin. To see you feeling good as you help them to feel good again. You. I want you to engage, you to gauge, all of y'all, all of y'all together. I wanted you to see them all as I, as I wished that you were there. I looked across the room and standing on the stair. And when I caught your eye and saw you break into a grin, it feels so good, feeling good again. So, let me put all of that in this way. Ross does not like the hymn, Lord of the Dance. He does not like the tune. He does not like the words. He just doesn't like it at all. And yet, because he knows that some of you really like that song, he's willing to engage in it. Get me to engage with him and sing as loud as we can, as if we're the boys from Silver City thinking that we are the Tabernacle Choir. He engages. For those of you like this, for those of you who like this song, to help draw you closer to God, he's not concerned about what will happen to him if he sings, but he's concerned about what, if, what happens if he doesn't make a joyful noise unto the Lord for you. What will happen to you if he doesn't sing. This is the why we engage. What will happen if we don't engage? So, let me go back to the Martin Luther King Jr. quote again. If I do not stop to engage this person, what will happen to her? If I do not engage, what will happen to my community? If I do not engage, what will happen? So, I have some homework for you all this week. Ponder that. If I do not stop to engage the community that I live in, neighbor in, drive in, shop in, eat in, drink in, serve in, and worship in, what will happen to all of that to all the people I do with that. A few weeks ago, I think the point that Ross was making in a sermon, at one of his points, he kind of glossed through something really kind of quick that was really, that hit me really hard and was really profound. There's this idea, and I think that there's a word for it, and I don't know what that word is, but there's this idea that the church goes through a metamorphosis every 500 years. And so for the last few years, 
we have been at this tipping point, waiting for an event, waiting for uh, a really great sermon, waiting for an inspiration, waiting for something to tip us over into the next 500 years of what the church will look like. Sad to say, I think we are at that tipping point. Or maybe I need to say, glad to say that we are at that tipping point. That this whole pandemic, Fran, like it's just going to push us over the edge. That being said, as you ponder this point of engagement that I've asked you all to think about this week, the church as we know it will change forever. It will not look like the church that we have known to come and love. And that is okay. Because we are instilled by our Creator and our Redeemer and our Sustainer not to stay in this point always and forever. We're to continue to keep walking forward. So think about that as we go into this week. In the name of our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer. Amen.